Well, good morning. Man, you guys are singing good. It's great to see you on a beautiful summer day. Kind of feels like it, right? Yesterday, like 73 or whatever it was. But uh, I'm loving this time of year. And welcome to our living room. That's what we call this room. We're so delighted to have you here. I'm kind of excited for these summer events. Uh, pickleball, how many of you have played pickleball? It's pretty fun. I, Bonnie and I had the chance to play and, and went to state and then we went to nationals. And uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we you know, I'm excited. And some of you are motorcycle enthusiasts. I'm hoping to make it on a couple of those rides. Our biker Sunday is uh, June 4th. And so it's the 11.30 service though, so it's the next service. And if you ride a bike, get here. It's going to be a blast. So a lot of really fun things happening. We're really looking forward to it. But today we are focusing on this last part of Mark chapter 4. And it's, a, it's an interesting story because it, it involves tragedy, faith, all the components that make a good story, uh, questions, uh, you know, not knowing what to do, all of these things. But a storm is a very real thing. We live in Colorado, so we know what it's like to see blizzard conditions and you're trying to drive and four feet of snow every few years. Um, but I am, I gotta tell you, I am so thankful. Even though we've had a few tornadoes, we don't have them very often. Aren't you glad? Those things are wicked. You look at what has happened in the flooding. It just seems like every week there's some horrible catastrophe with a storm, and, and I think even more so in our lives. So there's kind of an analogy going on today. It's the physical storm outside that the waves are coming over into the boat in this storm that we're looking at, but I wanna kinda draw it into your life storm. What happens in life when we face those storms and we don't know what to do? I had the privilege of growing up in, in Grand Junction, Colorado on the West Slope, and Every now and then my parents would, actually every summer, our parents would take us over to a little place called Howard, Kansas. Anybody know where Howard is? It's just a spot in the road on the way down. And my grandparents had a, a almost a thousand acre farm there. And through the years, they raised, you know, they had cattle, turkeys, chicken, pigs, uh, all kinds of stuff, there was a river going through the property, so we had our share of good old water moccasins and snapping turtles and all those things that can kill you and take your fingers off and you know all that stuff. And as a kid, I just thought it was Disneyland. You know, we would spend a few weeks there. But I remember one time, um, Grandma said she rang the bell. She only rang the bell for for like lunch and dinner. Matter of fact, we weren't hardly allowed inside the house. Um, until the bell rang, but it was a bad storm coming in. And I remember running up from the river about a quarter of a mile with a couple of my cousins and we got up there and she said, we need to get in the cellar. Now, how many of you have ever been in what is called a root cellar? Raise your hand. Oh, look at that. What is a root cellar? It is, it's filled with what? <laughs> Roots, yeah, that's why they call it that. And on the farm, it was basically like a concrete door jam with this big wood door with a handle on it that was right kind of at an angle on the ground. And you just, this creaking, it's outside, it's not in the house. You gotta go outside, 
you open this door and look down into this black hole. And all the demons start coming out. It's so creepy. And my grandma had a candle and we started going to the descent 5,000 feet down into the, it's just like forever. These little concrete homemade steps trying to get down into the bottom of this root cellar. And you can smell like that musty dirt uh, roots and, and all of her, her canned meat and canned vegetables were on little makeshift uh, little two by fours which grandpa had carved out of the dirt, you know, and there's roots hanging down all over and it's like, I just went out of here. I, give me the tornado, you know. And we're just all hunkered down and boy, sure enough, the wind started coming. You know, the radio had predicted a tornado was coming over and we're all hunkered down in there and the only thing you could do was wait. I'm a doer. Like, I'm an action guy. So just to sit there in a root cellar felt horrible to me. But that's all we could do. And every now and then the door would go. And we're like, is the house going away right now? You, know, you don't know. You can't see. May I just propose that's how it is sometimes in your life. You're right where you need to be. You're with God, you're journeying, but boy, the storm is all around you. And sometimes all you can do is just wait. Just sit there and trust God, believe God. You don't see any evidence, you just have to wait. And that is a frustrating place to be. The disciples were in the middle of a storm, a big storm, could have taken them out. They were terrified, but Jesus was there. And I'm just here to tell you, no matter what storm you face today, the Lord is there with you right now. And we're gonna talk about that today and we're gonna open this up and say, God, help us. Because life storms can be much worse than physical storms with atmospheric pressures. Life storms are life-threatening and we'll talk about all of that as we go. So I have five little simple points that go along with these seven verses in Mark chapter four, starting with verse 35. The first point, if you're following along, is simply this. Jesus will always take us on a journey. Jesus is gonna have you go with him. You're not probably gonna be able to just stay still and comfortable. If you really walk with God, you're gonna be on a journey for the rest of your life. And you're gonna have some unknowns. And here's what it says in the story in Mark 4, 35. Jesus and his disciples have been involved in ministry. Uh, he's, he's talked about the parable you heard last week of the seed, powerful, powerful stuff. And now he comes to this and it says, as evening came, of course it's evening, it's gonna get dark, that's when storms come, right? As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, <laughs> ironically, what was the career of some of the disciples? Do you remember? Fishermen. That means they had boats. So they're right there on the edge. If you've been over in that part of the world, you know kind of where they say this happened. And, and Jesus sees their boats. He knows it's their boats. He called them while they were mending nets and stuff. And, and he says, hey, guys, let's, let's get in your boats here and let's go over to the other side of the lake. And I'm sure 
Like times in my life when Jesus invites me on a journey, I want to say, I'm good right here. Let's build a fire, make some s'mores. I, I feel just happy. I don't really need more drama in my life. Let's just sit tight. No, we're going somewhere. Because in the going, hear me, God cares way more about the journey than he does your destination. Everything happens in the journey. And you'll never quite get there in your journey with God. The minute you think you get there, God says, let's go to the other side of the lake. Let's go to the other side. There's two things about the other side that you need to kind of think about. Sometimes it's a temptation for us to, to run away from something. I, I gotta get to the other side of this. I'm sick of this. I'm out. And sometimes we leave prematurely. But, but sometimes it's a challenge, you know, to, to stay because of what we're gonna encounter when we stay. And some of you in the waiting room right now, you're in the cellar right now, the storm is going over you, you're praying for your family, you're praying for your kids, you're praying for the situation, and, and waiting is all you got. And you'd rather be in a journey, you'd rather go somewhere, you'd rather be doing something about it. Both of these things are very important. It seems like our walk with Jesus always leads us to a place where the stuff happens in my life that I hadn't planned on have happening. It doesn't take God by surprise, but it takes me by surprise. Why is that? I think it's because God wants us to be on a journey of faith with him every single day. I get content, I get lazy in my walk with God, and God says, no, come on, pay attention, listen up, we're going. You've gotta encounter this stuff, you've gotta feel this, I want you to feel it. God is trying to grow you into your potential that you don't have awareness of. You know what you look at? You look at the mirror and you usually see your limitations. Oh, can't do that, don't wanna go there. God sees what you can do. God sees your greatest potential. He created you. We sang about it today. Way back when your first breath, God said, I've got plans for you. I know. These steps are ordered for you. And we say, ah, uh, I feel the limitation. And God says, no, there's no limitation. You just don't know what your potential really is. Wow. Where is it that God might want to take you today? The truth is, you really don't know until you're in the journey. And sometimes I get there and I go, wow, I never expected to be in the middle of something like this. But that's sort of our life with God. The second thing that I want you to see in this story is that Jesus does not always prevent the storm. Like you would think, you know, that Jesus could easily prepare us a little more for what's about to happen. Look at, look at this, what happened in verse 36. So they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out leaving the crowds behind. So you get the picture. They're, the crowd followed them right up to the shoreline. Jesus says, hey, let's get in your boats, and let's get to the other side. We've got a mission over there, which you'll see later. And they do it. But I want you to notice the parentheses. There's four words in the parentheses. And say these words with me, ready? Although other boats followed. 
Now we skip that when we read this story and we shouldn't. It's very important and I wanna highlight it now for something I wanna say later. Everybody remember that? Okay, the parentheses. So they were not the only boat on the lake. The other people who had boats thought, ha he's not getting away from us. We have boats too. So they jumped in their boats and they're gonna go wherever he's going because they wanna see some more miracles, right? Which they would. So, but the, the soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. What a, what a terrifying thing. And this is a, the Sea of Galilee is pretty big. And uh, they're out there in the middle and I guarantee you these, what they call squalls, how many of you heard that word? That's a good, just say it with me, squall. It just, that's a good word to have in the bank, you know? A squall came up. And these things can come and the wind really hits hard and it can rain, it can just feel awful and, and mess up this lake. Have you ever been on a boat that was sinking? How many of you have? It's a terrifying feeling, isn't it? Now, if you're just in the middle of a little pond in your backyard, who cares? But I'm talking about... The real thing, I remember, I remember one time, this is embarrassing, so I've never, I've never told this story before until this weekend. I'm being vulnerable, okay? Don't think less of me. So we grew up with a little ski boat, not expensive at all, like these big wake boats they have now are amazing. But no, ours are just this little old tri-hull with this little Mercruiser outboard on it. And we, every Friday, Saturday, me and my buddies would go to this little highline lake out in Grand Junction and we would, we would ski and stuff. It was a blast. So I would usually take the boat out with my truck and I would back it in, launch it by myself and get it ready. So when they all came, the boat would be ready to go at the dock. So, so I'm doing that. And I, I put the boat down in the water. And when you solo launch a boat, you obviously have to pull your truck down, get it right, get the boat prepped, start it up, make sure it's running before you pull it off the trailer. Then you have to go park it at the dock, tie it off, run back around, get in your truck and get it out of the water, get your trailer out of the water. So it takes a little bit of time to do all this. And so I get the boat in the water, I back up and it was a little journey around this cove where the docks were. And so I'm pulling the boat around there and it's a wakeless zone so you can't go fast. And so I get to the dock and I look back and there's like this much water in the back of the boat and it's going I forgot to put the plug in the back of the boat this is my fault but there's no one there thank God I was so embarrassed I thought I gotta get back to that trailer it's still in the water if I put it back on the trailer I can, I can get the plug and I can put it in so man I'm gunning it trying to go around I can't go fast because of wakeless zone and I get it I it's like lugging up, it's heavy, and I get it on the trailer and whew, tie it off, pull it out, all the water drains out, put the plug in. I'm good to go. This never happened. <laughs> My friends never knew that happened. A sinking boat is no fun. And here, whether it's your fault, because sometimes you sink your own boat. Did you know that? You put yourself in a position to create a storm in your life that wouldn't have been there if you hadn't made that decision. So it's not an I told you so moment, it's not a shaming moment, it's just the recognition that sometimes I do dumb stuff. God is still there. Even when I do dumb stuff, God is still there. Sometimes it's someone else's fault. You know, thank goodness, at least you have someone to blame, right? God is still there. 
Life is filled with storms. I, I think of the financial problems that some of you are encountering right now. My heart really goes out to you. I mean, we all have financial issues. It's part of life. But man, it, it can really bury people. It can be a storm that feels like you can't overcome. Physical health issues. Nobody says, I want cancer so I can see the hand of God in my life. Nobody. But some of you have been through that. You've been in that storm and you did see the hand of God in your life and you're still believing and you're still trusting. These are the kinds of things that storms pull out in us. Sometimes it's relationships. It's family, it's a spouse if you're married, it's a friend, it's a coworker, it's a neighbor who does stuff on your yard, right? And sometimes much bigger than that. These are, these are real challenges in our, our lives. Sometimes these things can lead to mental, um, emotional downers and depression grips you. This is a real thing. This isn't just, oh, well stop that and get better. These are deep, dark moments that can be a real storm in your life. And there's, there's times when people don't come out of these for years. And, and they'll never reach their potential. I'm so excited for the 2024 election process. <laughs> Just can't wait to watch all those ads on TV. So, you find out so much truth. It's wearing. Does it wear you out? It wears me out. And it's a storm in our nation. It's a storm. And we need God. We need God. And God is available. That's the thing. I don't have to live in that fear. I can trust him. But anxiety sometimes gets me. Sometimes grief. I, I look out and I see people all weekend. I've seen people who have lost someone that they loved, a mom, a dad, a, a spouse, a child. And I just my heart just bleeds for you. And that grief changes your life. Yeah, God's with you. Yes, you can move beyond it, but it still impacts you for life. It's real, and it can be a storm, and it's harder for some to overcome it. And we've gotta trust God in these times, whether I put myself in it or it comes to me. James, the book of James in the New Testament says a lot of profound things. But there's one in, in the very first chapter, I don't like it very much, but I want you to listen to it. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What? Not, this isn't saying be happy the trial is here. It's saying be happy you have God in the trial because, and, and, and look at it. Let's just finish reading it. It says, for you know in these trials that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. That's why you're going to the other side. That's why you're on a journey, it, to give your endurance a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, needing nothing. That's the story of life on this earth in our journey with God. It's a constant learning process. Don't ever forget that. Storms come and storms go, and the next one will be there. And it's for our development, our perseverance. We learn, we grow, we change. So how can I identify when a storm is coming? Like, 
If you watch the news, they talk about atmospheric pressure and there's a front that's building and you see it coming over the coast, you know, and this is going to be a big one. It's going to hit us hard. How do they know? All the signs, all the technology, it's all there. How do you know in your life if a storm might be coming? This would be good for you to think about a little bit. Am I aware when I'm tired? Am I aware when I'm about to do something I shouldn't do? Like, Am I sensitive to the Holy Spirit enough to, to know? Young people in this room, I hope you'll listen carefully to this because you know, you know the Holy Spirit's faithful to you. When, you. when you're in a situation and someone invites you to come along with them and you ask the question, is this a good idea? They always end up in trouble. <laughs> they always end up in a situation they should. Should I really get in this car? All of these things are decisions that are life consequence, and, and you need to pay attention. Sometimes when I just get tired, I just need to go take a nap or, or get a good night's sleep, and that fixes me. And I'll say to Bonnie sometimes, look, I'm exhausted. I have had a crazy day, and I, I don't wanna talk about any problems right now. I don't wanna fix anything right now, and I'm a fixer, so it's like, I just, so do you know that about yourself? Or you're hungry? You know, sometimes you, you make bad decisions just because you're hungry and you're in a bad mood. And so someone might need to say, you need something to eat and you need a nap, right? <laughs> Be aware of these things because they're important. I can bring a storm right on my head that didn't have to happen just because I'm not paying attention to the signs that are all around me. And if you have big things that are coming into your life, you know, some of the real storms in my life that deal with anxiety or worry are about you and Timberline and decisions that we're making on a big scale. And, and some of, I sit in that chair where some of these decisions are, the consequences are five years out or 10 years out. Should we develop that land? Should we purchase this? Should we do this? I mean, these, these are big things that... that might not be today decisions, they're not ramifications right now, but if we go down this road, it, we're gonna pay a price in a good or bad way. And so these things can weight me down. And then I, I suddenly realized God's saying to me, I didn't call you to see the end. I called you to see in front of you right now and to trust me for today. And some of you are worrying about things that are way down, you don't even know if it's gonna happen. God's saying, just get in the boat. I'll take you to the other side. You don't know what's gonna happen there, but get in the boat, I'll be with you, and we'll get there. And for some of you, that's all you need today. Just hold on to Jesus, and you'll get there. Number three, I love this one. <laughs> Wake up, Jesus. <laughs> wake him up. He's in the boat. Sometimes you just need to wake him up. And when I say that, he's always with us, but man, Sometimes in my own spirit, man, I need to say, wake up, Jesus, in me. Because I get bored. I get apathetic. I get on cruise control as a believer. Some of you are there right now. And when you hit the storm, you're gonna cry out to God. You're gonna wake him up. And that's what they did. Look at verse 38. Jesus was sleeping. He was exhausted. In the back of the boat with his head on a cushion, otherwise he wouldn't have been sleeping. The disciples woke him up. I love this. Shouting. Have you ever been awakened by shouting people? 
It's a wonder he didn't cast them overboard into the ocean, you know, just let them die. <laughs> Send a great fish to swallow them. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Wow. At least they knew what to do. And that is enough for me today. If you get this, you're way ahead. Cry out to God. Recognize that he's in the boat. Wake him up. If you've been spiritually sleeping, wake him up. I've talked to so many people who get to a crisis in their life. I had this one man who said, I haven't followed God. I've known about God. I've known the truth, but I haven't followed him. I can't call on him now when I'm dying. That's, that's lame. I'm like, yeah, it's really lame. Just go to hell. I don't give a rip. I didn't say that, actually. I said, you know why it feels lame? Is guilt and shame. You're embarrassed that you didn't live for God and you should have. You're right, you should have, but you didn't. But God's mercy is greater than your guilt and greater than your shame. Call on God. Some of you right now, you need to just have the faith to say, God, I might not have gotten all this right. I might have put myself in this situation, but I'm waking you up because I need you now more than I've ever needed you before. And I'm gonna trust your word that I can call on your name because you can, you can. It's a great place to start. Don't let God become the last resort. Oh my gosh, we've tried everything. I guess we'll pray. Nothing else has worked. Let's pray. Start with prayer. Otherwise, you're going to drown. Now, here's what I want you to see from the parentheses earlier. Were there other people in the same storm? Remember? There are other boats out there who followed them. When they woke up, did they say, Master, there are other people who are going to drown. Save them. We're fine. We have eternity with you, but they might not know you yet. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> we, we have a grandson who, when you ask him a question, if it's no, he says, nope. <laughs> nope. This is amazing to me that when we get in real trouble, all the attention goes to good old number one. We are gonna drown. As a matter of fact, you know how they started the sentence with Jesus? Don't you even care that we, your prized possession, are gonna drown? Don't you even care? Man, talk about a, think about this. Yeah, think about this. But that's what we do. That's not a very uh, there you are statement. If you haven't been around Timberline long, we've really worked hard to create, create a culture. We often say, when you walk into a room, does your attitude say, here I am? Or does your attitude say, there you are? We wanna be a there you are church. But when you're in a storm, it's pretty hard to be a there you are person. It's seen in this storm. And all they cared about was, don't you even care that I'm in trouble here. God cared, but it's so typical of us. 
We need to be aware of the needs of people around us, even in the storm. Let me say one last thing, and we'll, we'll start to wrap this up because I want to pray for people at the end who are in the storm. Just, just consider this. Is it possible that when you have a need, God doesn't deliver you from something, you're really in a need, it's worrying you, it's real. Is it possible that God is waking you up with a need so that you suddenly have awareness of other people around you with that same need? You would have never seen them before, but because you have that need, you're more sensitive to the need, and suddenly you care very much about this because you're in the same situation. Sometimes our needs are opportunities to see other people with that same need and offer care to those people in the same way that we pray for ourselves. Number four, two very important questions. Verse 40, two questions he asks them. Why are you afraid and do you still have no faith? Why are you afraid and do you still have no faith? Why are you afraid makes sense. I mean, they're in a storm. They could die. They're afraid for their lives. And he says, why are you afraid? He's, he's saying, I'm here. You shouldn't have to live in fear. And he's saying, do you have no faith? After everything you've seen, the miracles you've seen, do you still have no faith? After all of this, what does God have to do to get you to trust him with this thing you're in right now? What does he have to do? He's been faithful. Stay in the journey and trust him. Last thing, number five. Jesus is bigger than your problem. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that as a slap in your face, like, you know, condescending, he's bigger than your problem, like minimizing your problem. I don't mean it like that. How I mean it is, he really is bigger. He really is. No matter how big your problem is, and I'm not denying that it could be big, he is bigger Look at what it says in verse 41. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they ask each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. When it says they were terrified, it's, 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 it's a, a Greek phrase, idea, concept that says, I'm, I'm speechless, like I'm in awe, I'm mortified, I'm, I'm like this. It's a, it's a gasp, it's like, oh, what? Did you, did you see the waves? I mean, it's one thing to heal a person with leprosy, but he just, he just commanded nature. A nature miracle seems way bigger in the cosmos than touching a person, but God has both. How many of you know that? Will I trust him in the storm? So here's what we're gonna do. I wanna pray for some of you that are in a life storm, no matter what it is. For some of you, it's a really big thing. For some of you, you don't even qualify yourself because it's like not big enough to actually come up here and be prayed over. I'll figure this out. I'm gonna invite you, all of you, to just listen for that nudge of the Spirit. Not all of you should come up here, I get that. But some of you really need to come up here. And for some of you, it's just the fact that God's gonna nudge you to step out. Some of you say, I've never come up there for anything. I'm not starting today. I, I get that. And you don't have to come up here. Can God touch you where you are? Yes. But sometimes if you have a nudge to come up here, it's that step of faith that initiates the contact God wants to have with you up here. So just be, be sensitive. And I trust you for that. 
Our prayer team, I'm gonna ask you to stay back until everyone's come up here, and then I'm gonna have you come around behind and just move along and put a hand on their shoulder. We're not gonna embarrass anyone or ask you what it is you're up here for. We're gonna pray over you, and then we're gonna release you to go back to your seat. Okay, so let's stand. Everyone stand if you're able, if you can. As Steve leads us, as our team leads us in this song, it's called Reckless Love. It's the song that says, no matter where you go, I'll chase you down. Some of you need to come up here as couples. Some of you are all alone today. Grab a hand of a friend if you're here with a friend and come up here. And I'm gonna ask you just to stand. Come right up here close and we're gonna pray. Whatever your life storm is, we're gonna believe God. Come now, sing it. Come right on up close. Amen. Amen. When I was your foe, still right on your here. love fought for me. You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no team to just begin to move and just put a hand on people as you move through the crowd. If you're a, a pastor on our team, I would like for you to join them. If you're a deacon here at Timberland, I'd like for you to join them. And I'd like for us just to pray. I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. And I want you guys to just really be in agreement. How many of you remember a day when you would have walked up here today and God has helped you through that storm? So earnestly pray with me and pray in agreement that God will meet them in the midst of this storm. This storm is real. Whether you believe it's big or little, it's real. And we're gonna believe God today. So let's pray. Lord, there's no prayer that I can pray that forces your hand on anything. Your Holy Spirit does the work. And so we simply recognize your spirit in this room to heal, to deliver, to provide, to encourage, to strengthen, to bring a spirit of forgiveness, to bring a spirit of faith upon the hearts and the minds of people who have walked up here today. They are in a storm, and they have walked up here in faith. They have stepped out from their seat to say, I believe God. I believe God. I trust God. I put this situation into His hands. Just say that to Him right now if you walked up here. It's in your hands, God. I trust you. This storm is yours. You're in the boat. I call upon your name. Calm this storm, Lord, by your mighty power and by your mighty grace. We ask you to bring deliverance to this storm. We ask you to bring insight and bring the knowledge and wisdom necessary to make decisions that honor you and your name. 
We give it to you because we believe you. You said to come and ask. You said to pray, and we are in faith. Thank you that we can do this, and thank you for our brothers and sisters that we love and care about today. This is yours, and in the mighty name, the mighty, holy, profound name of Jesus Christ, who actually controls the atmosphere, <laughs> who can calm the storm, we say, so be it, or amen. And everybody said amen. Amen. Would you let these folks know you love them and you're praying with them today? We love you guys. God bless you. God bless you. Sing it. Come on, sing it out. Let's declare this to the Lord before we go today. Come on. for you is that this wouldn't just be a moment, but it would be the start of a movement in your life. If you have maybe taken a step in your faith journey, our prayer team is going to be up front. I'm going to invite them up now. We would love to stand in the gap with you. We would love to pray with you about any needs you might have. So grateful for that. Hey, Timberline family, let me address you for a second. Thank you for your sacrificial giving. What you guys have done in giving allows us through, for instance, Convoy of Hope today to be in the Midwest, to be in some of our Southern states where, where people's lives have just been thrown into chaos because of an actual storm. And you have been able to be there because of your sacrificial giving. So thank you for giving. I know you, some of you do it online. There's a container at the back really grateful for you. Love you guys. Thank you for being Timberline. You guys have a great rest of your weekend. Go in the grace of God.